Amen. Amen. Well, I pray today you get something fantastic out of today. I pray it's, it's good for your soul, good for your spirit, good for your mind. I believe it's going to help you. So today I'm going to be talking about grace and freedom. Everybody say grace and freedom. Two things we're going to be talking about. As you can see, uh, there's a lot of different looks going on around the church. If you saw on our social media, there was a, a brand new video or a couple of videos that have actually been released, just communicating the heart of who we are and just kind of where we're going and what we're about. And then as you see, you know, there's new signs outside, new signs on the doors, new signs in the bathrooms. Uh, we got signs everywhere. And uh, new shirts, new hats, all kinds of good stuff. So what does all that mean? All that basically means this. It's a new expression of the same heart, same goal, same vision, same purpose, Everything's the same as a church. It's just a makeover. Does that make sense? And we're best describing what God is doing here and what he's clarifying for us as a church uh, in this way by um, a new series that we started and actually a a phrase that's going to be really pretty much part of the speech of what we communicate here at church uh, from now onwards. And that's going to be this phrase, yours to live. Everybody say yours to live. Yours to live. And what do we mean by that? Well, let me take you to Ephesians chapter 2. Verse 8, let me just jump right into it. This is a scripture that's really the foundation of what yours to live means. And it says, For it is by grace that you have been saved, through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. I want to say that again. For it is by what? Grace that you and I have been saved. In other words, What saved you was not how good you've been the last six months. What did not cause you to lose God's grace was how bad you've been the last six months. Isn't that good news? I haven't been that good the last six months, I'm telling you. No, I'm kidding. For it is by grace you've been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves. In other words, there's nothing that you did or the person next to you did to get you that gift of grace that God says is yours to live. It's the gift of God. It's not by works. In other words, there's not a track record of time where maybe you've just kind of uh, spent a lot of time gaining ground in your walk with God, gaining ground and just leaving behind old stuff and leaving. It's good to leave stuff behind. It's good to leave certain mindsets and certain attitudes and certain behaviors and certain, certain things that you know are not God's best for your life. It's good to leave those behind. But what Paul is telling us here in the scripture that is, it's not that track record of what I've not done, what I've not thought, what I've not said, what you've not done. Does that make sense? That got you the gift of grace that God has given you. Why, he's saying, so that no one can boast. Why? Because all of us would boast if we would say, if we're really honest with ourselves, look how far I've come. Look how good I am. Get your act together. Step it up. Get on my level. Right? We don't say that, but when people don't measure up to what we think they should, then we put them on our level and say, hey, you need to get on my level, bro. You need to get your life together. You need to get your finances together, your life together, your marriage. Whatever it is, whenever we find that superiority complex creeps in, it's infringing, infringing upon the grace that God has given us freely. Is trying to invade the space of grace that says that God says is yours to live. And so grace and freedom are ours to live in. And what, I, what we mean by this phrase is that pretty much anything that God has done in your life is now yours to live. In other words, there's a responsibility factor that comes with the work that God has done. The stewardship factor. The stewardship of God gave me peace, now I need to guard that peace. 
and not just give it away to every circumstance that tries to dislodge my peace. If God gave me his, his protection and protected me in this particular season where I, I really know I probably should have destroyed my life, destroyed my marriage, destroyed my entire future with some of my choices, that grace that God showed me is mine to live now. I need to steward that well. I want to guard that grace that God has done in my life. I want to guard that mercy. I want to guard that peace. I want to guard the joy. I'm not just going to throw myself to anybody and let them rob the joy that God has freely given to me. Just because they're having a bad day doesn't mean I need to have a bad day. Somebody need to hear that again for some of your coworkers. Just because they're having a bad day doesn't mean it's yours to live. That's theirs to live, not yours. Just because someone's unhappy with their life and, and they're not satisfied with their life and there's always discontent in their life doesn't mean you're the source of their discontent. You know, some people, they, they kind of think like that. Well, I'm miserable. Well, you should be miserable with me. No, thanks. I got enough fish to fry, right? I got enough bills to pay, enough things to do. There's a lot that I don't need to take on that isn't mine to live. Peace is mine to live. Joy is mine to live. Grace is mine to live. And I'm going to steward it all well for the glory of God. This is not about me. This is about what God's done in me. Does that make sense? See, the good thing about this verse is that it is by grace you and I have been saved means that on my best day, the best I've ever been, the best husband, the best leader, the best pastor, the best friend, the best everything, when I got to that place where I was just at my best, that wasn't good enough to earn the grace of God because it was a gift. Consequently, it also means that on the worst day, anybody remember the worst days? The worst moments in my life, the worst where my mind was at, the worst where my attitude was at, the worst where my faith was at, the worst where my behavior and my mindsets and my habits and my, my attitude and, and just my position in life, the worst I was in, that was not enough to lose the grace of God. So my best day, I didn't gain it. By my track record, on my worst day, I didn't lose it because of my track record. It's the gift of God. That's what grace is. If you grew up in the South, it's kind of hard to swallow. Because somebody is going to tell you that you're not measuring up. But it's usually according to their standard. It's usually according to what they have placed as supreme over your life and what they feel you should measure up to. But I would just like to say this. That just as much as God has you on a journey, he has them on a journey. And sometimes we have to remember that people are speaking from superiority, not necessarily because they want bad for your life, they want good for your life. There's times in my life where I, I can guarantee I spoke out of turn, wanting more for people than they wanted for themselves. And maybe that came across judgmental. Maybe, maybe my, uh, my speech wasn't seasoned with grace or gentleness. But I had to learn in those seasons that, you know, well, I didn't do that very well. I wanted the best, but I didn't say it right. Well, okay, now i got to pick up the pieces and make the best of that. And learn that God has them on a journey just as much as he's got me on a journey. And then make amends where necessary and apologize if necessary. But understand, it's all a work in grace, of grace in them, and it's all a work of grace in me. In other words, I haven't arrived and you haven't arrived because that grace is still working itself out. That freedom is still working itself in and through our lives. And have you ever been to um, 
Well, let me, let me say this. Have you, Christianity is not about what we're trying to do. It's about what Jesus has already done. That's what I was trying to sum up. It's not about what we're trying to do. And like I said, if you grew up in the South, you've probably heard that statement before. I'm trying to be a better Christian. I'm trying to be better, bro. How you doing? Oh, I'm not doing too good, but I'm trying to be better. You know? How's your walk with God? Ah, oh, you know, could be better. How's the journey with Jesus? You know, I'm not where I want to be. You know, kind of wish I was further. I'm trying, I'm trying, I'm, I'm working towards. So it's almost kind of like, we slip into this mode of what Jesus said is done and is finished. We're talking a language about trying to earn and work towards something. We're trying to do, he's already done. We're saying we're working harder. He's saying it is finished. Is this making sense? See, this should encourage us because at some point along the journey, you were told you need to try harder. You need to work better. You could be, and you know what? We all could be doing better. But you know what's going to change me is not you. It's God. And if we could embrace that God's grace is big enough to carry us, not just into salvation, but through the journey. This is why scripture says, let perseverance have its, its work so that you are complete, lacking nothing. God's completing things in you. It takes time. It takes time to be the husband that you want to be. It takes time to be the person Jesus called you to be. Now, he's given you all of his grace, and he's empowered you by his spirit, but it's going to take time to become who he's called us to be. But Christianity is not about what we are trying to do. It's about what Jesus has already done. Come on, say amen to that. That's why we call it the gospel. That's why we call it the good news. That's why we say amazing grace. That's why we sing no longer slaves because we are no longer slaves to a law. We're no longer slaves to rules and regulations. We are sons and daughters under grace. And grace empowers us. It doesn't cause me to sin more because I have the liberty to do whatever I want. It actually bonds me to Christ. I don't, I don't want to sin because I'm bonded to Christ. I don't want to, to live apart from Christ. I don't want to live on my own. I don't want to not accept counsel. I don't want to not have people speak into my life. I'm bonded to Christ. I represent his body. It's not just my life. It's not just my journey. It's what Jesus is doing in me. It's what Jesus is doing in the person next to me. It's what Jesus is doing in this church and in this city. So I don't sit here and think all about myself. I think about what Jesus is doing in me because it affects everyone else. That's the good news of the, the grace of God. You ever been to one of those Christmas parties where where they tell you, it's usually Christmas, and they tell you, you know, hey, bring a gift. You know, it's like, oh, I guess, what's the white elephant gift? Is that what's called? White elephant gift? I never go to them. I always send you down. But anyways, it says, uh, <laughs> I'm like, $10. It's not going to be any good gifts there. I don't want to go to that part. I'm just kidding. Sorry, Bob and Karen. I'll come next time. No. I came to Christmas. I did. That was fun. That was actually a lot of fun. But uh, if the people are fun who throw the party, then it's usually fun, right? So I'm going to be in trouble for this, so... <laughs> Karen's going to be like, are you coming this year? Oh, yeah. If you ever had one of those parties, what they, what they tell you is, all right, $10. Don't buy anything over $10. What the heck can you get for $10? I usually buy like three king-size Kit Kats. I'll just throw one in there and keep the other two for myself and say, Merry Christmas, right? Because come on, what can you buy for $10? And then you ever been in a situation where you actually go to the party and you give somebody that gift and what do they hand you? Like a $90 bottle of cologne or perfume or something and you're like, uh, here's your bejeweled phone case from the dollar store. Thank you so much. <laughs> I got five for a dollar. Here you go. 
right? And, and what do you feel in that moment? You feel incredibly inadequate. You feel like they did so much and my, my, my work basically comes to nothing. <laughs> Everything I'm giving, it's nothing compared to what they gave, gave me. You know, Christianity, if we think about it, if we think about what Jesus did on the cross, that's a good picture of what our work is when it comes to trying to earn what Jesus did. Nothing could ever get us to the place where our gift from the dollar store could measure up. Here's my six months of what I've done. Here's my six years of what I've not done. You know, here's my, my five months of, of making sure I tithe. You know, God doesn't want you tithing out of obligation. He wants you tithing out of devotion. He wants you tithing from a place of grace because you're building the kingdom. You're not building your own empire. He's not concerned about forcing you to, grinding you into the ground. In fact, we don't want anybody at our church giving from that sense of obligation. We want them giving from a place of obedience and grace. And so that's why we don't hit hard on, on finances every week. That's why we don't, we don't, I don't spend 10 minutes doing the offering to convince you because I feel like if I have to convince you every week to do it, then I'll have to convince you 10 minutes every service to do it the next week and the next week. I'd rather just trust that the grace of God is working in your life and that you're understanding that grace affects every area, your wallet, your mind, your heart, your soul, your spirit, your speech, how you treat people. Grace affects everything. And when we finally get tired of trying to work hard for that which God has given freely, and we get tired of trying to earn something from him and, and, and work hard for it, I think it's only then that we could really step in and understand what grace has actually done. It's liberated us. It's liberated us from having to perform for God, please God by our works, I'm not saying that we don't do works for God, but now we do them from the place of grace because of what he's done. Now we do them from a place of devotion. Now we do them from a place of love. We love people. We serve. We give. We're generous. Why? Because of what Jesus has done in us. It's good news. Galatians chapter 5 verse 1 says, Christ has set us free to live a free life. So take your stand. Some of us need to take our stand this morning. Because this next part of the verse, never again let anyone put a harness of slavery on you. That echoes what we sang today during worship, that we're no longer slaves. But sometimes I wonder if we're just good at singing a song, but we're still under slavery based on what someone else may have said or what someone else may have done. See, to, to say that we're no longer slaves to behaving our way into a performance with God is one thing, but to actually live free and live from that place of grace and live from that place of freedom is a whole other story. See, to say, never let anyone put a harness of slavery on you, he's not talking about the bad relationship that you went through and how they dominated. He's not talking about your bad marriage or your bad past. He's not, he's not talking about what, what enslaved you, like drugs or alcohol. That's how we'd like to personalize it. Here's what he's talking about. The rules and the regulations and the Old Testament law and to keep this set of performing rituals that keep you in God's good grace, you are no longer enslaved to that. 
So as much as we like to personalize and say, well, you know, that I was enslaved in this relationship. Well, that, that may be true. But what God is talking about here is literally this sense of having to perform for God so that his good grace is upon our lives. So that his mercy is upon our lives, which is pretty liberating because now we go back to the front of the verse. Christ has set us free to what? Live a free life. So it's no longer about living in that bondage, living in prison, living captive to not measuring up, but now living from the place of grace. So he says, Jesus says, so if the sun sets you free, then you're free indeed. So, so following Jesus is, is not about life enhancement or life improvement, even though Jesus enhances our life and improves our life. The source of it is his grace, but what we're really doing when we follow Jesus is learning how to daily experience the freedom that he brings. It means when things don't go my way, when I want to veer off this direction into, into discouragement, I trust that his grace is going to keep me at peace. It means that when things don't go my way in the season like I plan, I trust that God has everything under control. It means that when people betray me or hurt me or say things just like they do you, it means that they are not my source. God is my source of peace and grace. And if they abused him, why won't they abuse me? If they lied and spit on him, why won't they lie and spit on me? If they rejected him, why won't they reject me? If they call him names like liar and Satan and all kinds of things, why would they think that people wouldn't gossip or talk about me? See, if we take the self glasses off and, 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 and get, the, get the blinders off where we feel it's only about us, we'll see that somebody right next to us is going through some of the same things that we're walking through. And it's not easy for them and it's not easy for us, but life has a way of sending things your way that try to rob you of your freedom. I want to show you a video here that explains that. Before I came to Grace Avenue Church, um, I had been in a situation where I got hurt. I had put so much expectation on a person instead of putting my trust in God. And of course, you know, man can fail you. And so I was very hurt and that hurt stemmed into unforgiveness. And from unforgiveness, it turned into bitterness. Anger and bitterness just made me into someone that I did not like. It came to the point where I was almost thinking about giving up on God. Easter of 2015, I walked into Grace Avenue, not really expecting much because I had kind of been church um, hopping. I wasn't sure if I would ever find a church that I could connect to. It was a couple of months in that we had a women's Bible study and I decided to join. And this Bible study really was all about the heart. It was a heart check. It made you ask God, what are the areas in my life that I need to work on? What are the things in my heart that I need to confront? And I knew that I had unforgiveness in my heart. I felt God prompting me in that Bible study that I needed to forgive um, the person that I was upset with. And I remember um, Haley and Pastor Janelle, we had a powerful prayer session. They really helped me connect with God and walk out this unforgiveness. And I remember walking away that night like a chain had been lifted off of me. I felt so free actually forgiving that person, you know, I got this new perspective on God will, will always be there and he'll never let you down. He's with you in the highs and the lows. I've been so blessed to be at Grace Avenue Church. I have pastors and leaders who I feel like believe in me and are partnering with God to see me um, come into wholeness and what he's called me to do.
feels so good, man. Let's just give God a hand for what he's doing in her life. You know, Brianna didn't earn that forgiveness from God. God graced her with it. And now that forgiveness is hers to live, to walk out, to live out, to not slip back into unforgiveness, to not slip back into bitterness. She could easily have been someone who just came in the doors, cynical, hurt, wounded, going through her stuff, and then just say, yeah, yeah, these people don't get me. They don't get my pain. Peace out. I'm done. And then moved on to the next place, and then that wouldn't have done it, and then a relationship would have come in, and, oh, maybe this is making me happy, and then that wouldn't, I'm, I'm preaching what your life could have been, Brianna. I'm not saying this is what's going to happen, but this is, what, this is what I usually see happen is that it, it's always something else, someone else, the next church, the next job, the next, the next break. If this could just happen, then this would be okay. Sometimes we just have to look unforgiveness and bitterness straight in the face and choose the forgiveness that God brings and freely gives because it'll eat our life away. See, freedom is something that I think we often take for granted until we lose it. I'll give you an example. About a month ago, we started something here at our church called Vision Builders. Vision Builders is really the first strong financial initiative that we've had to really take Grace Avenue to the next level. This is our third location. In six years, we've went from one, services, one service to three services. We've gone from one building to three buildings. So all of that being said, we're not going to be here much longer. <laughs> so at some point next year, God will have a plan and he'll have opened a door and we're going to move on it. But we want to be financially prepared for that when it happens. So Vision Builders was really us initiating this, this kind of launch. And so we put together this event and we held this event. Pastor Frank Damasio was there. He's speaking that night. Things are going great. It's a night of powerful stories. We heard what God did in, in his ministry over 40 years and through his church and the, the moves they made and the miracles God did financially for them. It was so encouraging. The room was pumped. Everything was great. And then I took him back to the hotel and realized I didn't have my phone or my wallet. And so I was talking about the freedom that you don't know you have until you lose. I'm going somewhere with this. So then I get back home and realize that, that nobody had picked it up at, at the event and I literally had lost my phone all my credit cards. Now, here's the thing. I've been telling Janelle for years, like literally years, I will tell her, I can't believe people will buy one of those phone wallet combinations. If you lose that thing, you lose everything. I literally have said that to her multiple times because I'm always losing my keys, wallet, and phone. I always can't find one of them. And she's always telling me, you need to get one of the combo. I'm like, no, nah, because then you lose everything and you don't want to lose everything. And then, so what happens three days before Vision Builders? I get one of those phone wallet combos. <laughs> And sure enough, what do I do? I lose everything. It was stolen, basically, it was stolen. And so uh, I feel like y'all are waiting for like a great moral story. You're not feeling my pain here. I don't feel like you feel sorry for me at all. Compassion is yours to live as well. I wish you would. My life was horrible for a week. I have one phone number memorized, my wife's. I have none of your numbers memorized. I don't know. I don't know your number. If someone were to tell me, Daniel, I will give you $2 million cash if you can rattle me off one number from your phone, I'd be like, enjoy your money, bro. I'm out. <laughs> I literally don't know any other phone number. I had no ID. Okay, this is President's Day weekend, right? So the banks are closed on Monday. You can't get your license on Monday. So I have no insurance card because... We had just moved house, and we switched from our, our old car insurance to a, a car insurance that would partner with the house to give us a better deal. So that new car hasn't come in the mail. So I'm driving a car. I don't have proof of insurance. I feel like I'm 16 again, you know? It's like no insurance, no ID, no cash, no credit cards, no debit card, 
don't know where my social security card is because that's packed in boxes because we just moved. I'm literally driving around like a fugitive. I'm nervous every time there's a cop. I'm looking around like I used to back in the day. Well, we'll go into those stories. But anyways, I'm just saying, there was a time in my life where that was looking over my shoulder, about five straight years of that. And uh, I'll tell you that at Connect Group one day. But anyways, and I just remember sitting there thinking, you know, this, this theft, this being stolen from, it has affected every area of my life. And that's what I realized, that, that the freedom that I had was impacted because of what was stolen from me. That my ability to just live life the way God has called me to live, to live freely, to buy coffee, to buy, put gas in the car, to, you know, I couldn't even buy Pastor Frank anything. He's like, oh, I think I want to get a coffee on the way to church. I'm like, ah, sorry, I don't have a wallet. <laughs> Thanks, we're going places, Pastor Frank. Thanks for your investment into us. And I'm leading the way, you know. <laughs> it's horrible, man. Horrible week. Make copies of everything that you have and stick it in a file. You can't even register your, you can't even get a new one online unless you have the actual license because there's some stupid secret security number that you have to get off the license to put in there to prove that you're actually, come on, who needs security message? I just need my license, you know? What I'm saying though, all joking aside, is that my ability to live free was impacted because I was stolen from. And some of you today, that's exactly what's happened to you. Grace is hard to embrace because you were stolen from. Freedom is hard for you to walk in because you were stolen from. I don't know when it was, but you will know when it was. And what's important to understand is that every single person in here at some point in life has been stolen from. Or Jesus wouldn't have called Satan the thief. And he wouldn't have said in John 10, 10 that the thief comes to steal and kill and destroy. Not just some people, all people. That's his goal. To rob us blind of peace, of innocence, of hope, of our dreams. That's the enemy's goal. And when the enemy does that, it leaves us in a place where freedom is hard for us to embrace. You know, when Jesus saves us, his goal is not just saving us and getting us to heaven. His goal is getting heaven into us. And part of getting heaven into us is getting freedom into us. When we're not bound, when we're no longer slaves, where we're not living by, by rules and regulations, we're living from a devoted relationship to our God. You know, when my daughter is connecting to me, she's not connecting to me out of obligation. She's connecting to me out of devotion. The father relationship with her is pure, it's right, it's devoted, it's not based on her performance. She doesn't cease to become my daughter the moment she makes a mistake. She's a preteen. Trust me, she's making mistakes. <laughs> Attitudes. Anyways, we'll move on. Anyways, um, she's not in here, right? All right, we're good. All right. But Jesus says, this is why Jesus said, the first thing he says when he steps up into the synagogue, unrolls the scroll, reads Isaiah 61, what does he say? I came to set the captives free. I came to release those who are imprisoned. People who are imprisoned and in captivity. You know, you don't have to be incarcerated to be imprisoned. 
You don't have to be in the county jail to actually be held captive by things and mindsets and self-defeating behaviors and attitudes and things that will hold you back and hold you down because there's no freedom in your life. See, all of us would like to say, and I promise, all of us would say, yeah, but I could point to that and say that I didn't get that, and because I didn't get that, it's, it's, I was missing that from my father. If I had that mother, or if I'd have had that education, or if I'd have had to step up in that area, and we could all say that, but here's the thing. A good thief, and Satan is a good thief, knows how to rip you off when you least expect it. So even if you had gotten what you think you should have gotten, he still would have ripped you off in another area, because that's what the thief does. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy So it's not about what you didn't get. It's about what God's already done. It's about what God's already given you. It's about the grace and the freedom that's yours to live. And if we don't embrace that, we'll always be looking like victims to what we didn't get and what hasn't happened. Come on, we're called to live free. Amen? I want to read you something that we read last week. You'll see this kind of on our website. And this is just part of the series as we're going through, talking about the church that we are. But it's our purpose statement. And I'm going to read this to you. We are providing a path for people to experience God's freedom, live their potential, and make the impact that they are created for. I want to show you someone in a video who kind of echoes what we're talking about there. Check this out. I played sports pretty much my whole life. In high school, I became the athlete of every sport. So I played football, basketball, baseball, ran track, I became that guy who was very well known. And then I graduated and I went to college and I became just another number. My identity really was found in that. The accomplishments that I did, the affirmation from people, and when I didn't have that, when I was just another student in the classroom, it was, it was different for me. I found myself lost. I um, found myself trying to fill that void with dating relationships or with just hooking up with people, and I would instantly feel convicted about it because I knew it was wrong. And, uh, but it got me into a point where it was really low. You know, what, was I, what am I really doing here? What was I created for? Um, I know I'm not an athlete anymore, so what do I find my identity in? And uh, I walked through the doors of Grace Avenue in 2011 as a college student, trying to find my way, and I was embraced. I was loved for who I was. I didn't even know my story, but they embraced me and they encouraged me, and there was something uh, that really stuck with me about that. And so ever since that time, I've connected with numerous godly men who have mentored me and have showed me pretty much how to live a life um, that we were designed to live, uh, just living for God, not living to uh, find your identity in anything else. And so and now I'm at a place where I can in turn do that with younger people, uh, help encourage the younger generation, the next generation to do that same thing. My life before Christ was, I was a good guy. I was fun to be around, but it was like, where are you really going? God really uh, showed me that I have an identity found in Him alone and an also purpose. So I have a, really a purpose-driven life. So I'm not just here walking through life, I'm living purposefully, chasing after God, doing whatever He calls me to do in the seasons that you know come and go. And now it's, it's an identity found in Him, it's a blessing. That's such a good story, man. That's such a good story. And to see that, that Chris found purpose when he literally could have 
use that whole season of, of what was success to try and catalyst into something else and then to try and, well, I can't go backward. I have to move forward. I have to take ground. To not get caught up in that and spend his 20s and his 30s chasing after things that were only going to leave him empty in the end anyway and to arrive at a place where he's not wasting his 40s and 50s going, who am I? What am I? What am I called to do? Where am I called to go? How can I even be a benefit to anyone in a relationship? He's not in a place where he's done. He's moving forward. He's taking ground. Purpose is his to live. Grace is his to live. Freedom is his to live. And this purpose that we put up here a second ago, I want to read it to you. It says, we're providing a path for people to experience God's freedom, to live their potential and make the impact that we are created for. You know, when we read that statement, it sounds great as a purpose for us as a church that, that that's what we're focused on and that's what we're hoping to see accomplished in people's lives and, and see people grow in and see people change. But you know, if I can be really honest, one of the challenges that I think I've had as a pastor is watching people skip that first line, experience God's freedom, and they just jump right in after they get saved to potential and impact. And what they start doing is living a life committed to their potential. Man, there's nothing better when somebody tells you you have potential, right? right? Like if I start picking up the guitar again and you tell me, hey, Daniel, you got potential, I'd be like, yeah, I know. I'll be back up here in just a, it's just a matter of time. That would feel good to be told that you have potential. And then when you start to see your potential grow, and that starts to turn into purpose and hopefully promise that can stir you. But you know, you can do all that and still not be experiencing freedom. You can be committed to making an impact, to be the father that you didn't have, to be the married couple that you didn't see modeled for you, to have the life that maybe you didn't get, you want for your children or you want for your life. And you can start living for that impact and all the while you're missing jump into God's salvation and then we kind of start leaving that experience behind saying thanks for what you did thank you God I'm glad I'm not not who I used to be I'm glad I'm not where I used to be I'm glad I've made some progress and then we leave the daily grace and the daily freedom behind you know what we need every single day every single day is the grace of God in our life every single day we need to tap into the freedom that God's already given us why? because the enemy's not done stealing from you he's not done trying to take your that grace with your work and your effort. He's trying to dislodge you from the place of grace. I don't want to do this with you. I remind you, just like Chris, just like Brianna, two people who easily could have come in the doors, experienced something powerful, got all the feels, and then just kind of moved along and really never tapped into God's grace. If it just could have been a passing moment. You know, I would say that there are some things that God's going to do in your life.
Lord Jesus, today we come to you thanking you for the work that you've done and the work that you're doing today, God, I pray. For the work of grace and freedom that's being done in our life this morning. Lord, all of us have been robbed temporarily by the enemy. Affected in areas that have tried to affect our manhood, womanhood, parenting, marriage, finances, life, mindsets, habits, choices, courage, faith, ability, purpose, promise, all of these things that the enemy has tried to Lord, I pray that...